Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those visionaries who serve our communities by delivering products and services to their customers in better ways than they could have otherwise had. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet and create the jobs that feed more families than any other organization could ever hope to. We're diving into the dynamics of what makes these organizations thrive, what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey folks, here we are with another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David here with Eric. Hi there, David. Looking forward to continuing with our valuation series. I know we left everyone with a bit of a in suspense in the last one, so we're going to now pick up and dive in and start to get a little bit more granular. Yes, as, and and get, create some, or I guess, give some action items that that we can start to look at here. Just some quick housekeeping before we dive in. Some questions that we've received about how do you track if your company's keeping up with inflation? inflation. We yeah. talked about inflation a few episodes ago. I just wanted to throw out, there are two metrics that I've been looking at that are helping me understand if a business is keeping up with inflation. These are not the answer. This is part of the puzzle, though. This is a mm. piece of the puzzle. And that's looking at gross profit dollars over payroll dollars and gross profit dollars over non-payroll OPEX expenses. Yeah, right, right. And I'll segment them into two things. For a right. business where payroll is a big fraction of operating expenses, it can be important to maybe look at those separately. But essentially what we're doing is we're looking at, okay, if you know we're having to pay people more because of inflation. Right. So right. are we paying people too much? Or are we paying people not enough? Well, if gross profit dollars over payroll dollars is staying in line, then we're probably not overpaying people. For every person we bring on board or every raise we give. Or the inflation rate in, in your payroll is the, keeping. The same as the inflation rate in your gross profit. Gross, right. right. So that lets us know if every dollar we pay someone, that should translate to additional dollars of gross profit at the same ratio. Right. Now, hopefully this ratio even improves as we grow. We should get economies of scale here. This lets us know that. Right. Same thing with gross profit over operating expenses. If my rent is going up because of inflation or my utilities are going up because of inflation, I want to just watch and check and make sure. Are they going up faster or, or less than your gross profit? So if that ratio is going down over time, I'm not keeping up with inflation. Right. right? And I need to now create an action item around that. Right. So right. just want to clear that out. I know I thought that was important to leave people, especially we didn't mention that during our inflation episode, but that's a, I found that to be a really good tool to help me understand what's going on yeah. as we're watching Makes businesses. Sense. Makes sense. I think we want to start diving into different types of value, how a business owner can understand where it even comes from and what to do about it. Right. So, Eric, do you want to kick us off with just what is business value and other different types of value? Yeah, and what's- yeah and I, I think one of the things we have to make sure that we we make a, a distinction is, is that value is in the eyes of the beholder, so to speak, or, or price is, is in, the, in the eyes of the beholder. So regardless of how you calculate through the mechanics of what a typical business valuation is, there's always a buyer and a seller. And there's always then, you know, in the mind of the buyer, the mind of the seller, what's the value uh, of, of this? And, 
you know, that's every time a transaction occurs that you have that interchange that's going on. What we're talking about is staying out of that fray and really talking about, okay, what, what are the fundamental ways that we approach business value, you know, on a regular basis, for, you know, no matter what the other circumstances that might be out there. What we like to talk mm-hmm. about most specifically is what we call intrinsic value, mm-hmm. right? And, and the intrinsic value is, is all about the controllable things within a business, and it's, and it's more of a, a function of, of calculations in, in how a business is valued. So there's, there's three main components of that in that intrinsic value, and it's, it's the cash flows that exist in the company, mm-hmm. and it's the growth rate of those cash flows, and then the big whammy or, or, or big challenge is always what is the what we call the risk in in those cash flows? Because the higher the risk in those cash flows, then the greater the discount that any buyer is going to apply to those cash flows. So if you if you think about the calculation, it's gonna be the existing cash flows of the business. What's the discount rate that's being applied to those? Mm -hmm. And then what's the growth rate? And the higher the growth rate, the higher the value. The higher the cash flow, the higher the value. The higher the risk or discount, the lower the value. And so conversely, if we can de-risk the company as much as possible, all the better. Because the lower the risk, the lower the discount, the higher the value. So it's those three main components that are operating here in a traditional intrinsic value. And Eric, let's clarify risk just a bit. Yeah. So I know I've said some, something very similar to what you just said to people before, and I think you said it very well, but a lot of people will hear that and they've told me, well, my business is not very risky because I have an office-based business. And so the odds of anyone dying is very low. Right. right. Is that what we mean by risk? No, not really. You know, what we're really getting at is if, and if you, again, if you put it in this perspective of the buyer now, okay, I've got these cash flows from this company that I'm looking to acquire. How assured am I that these cash flows are going to continue in the business? We're talking about the riskiness, the risk that the cash flows stop is really what we're talking about, right? Yes, or, or, yeah. How how likely are they to continue? How likely are they going to continue? And how likely are they to continue growing if they're growing right now? Exactly, exactly. Because all of that then determines, you know, what what is the real value of these ongoing cash flow? If they were here today and a year from now, you don't have much of any expectation that they would continue. There's hardly going to be any value Mm -hmm. in, in those cash flows. Right. Right. But if, if they're inherently continuing, recurring, and growing, obviously means that there's more value. Right, there. right. And so, you know, an example, and we're going to get into specific drivers one by one as we go forward, but maybe today just a couple examples to really solidify what we mean by that. I know I was helping someone several years ago buy a business, and the business was a very good business. The entrepreneur was a very good entrepreneur. The culture of the business was wonderful, right? You could walk around. The people had pride in their work. They were happy to be on the team. There was so much that you could look at the business and say, this is a great business. 
and it was. It was not, however, a sellable business. And one of the reasons was that 80% of this business's revenue came from three customers. Mm-hmm. And only three. <laughs> and so if any one of those, and those were great customers. If I told you the names of the customers, anyone listening, if I said the names of those customers, just about everyone would know who they are. These are, you know, tier one customers. Right. The problem is there's only three of them. And if any one of them were to go away, this company would suffer an enormous drop in revenue. And to the point at which, because this company had a decent amount of fixed cost, to the point at which this company would suddenly become from nicely profitable to unprofitable right. by losing one customer. Right. That's an example of the risk that we're talking about. A buyer coming in sees that and says, wow, this is really risky investment right. here right. because this cash flow could stop. Yeah. And it and it could happen for reasons beyond me. One of three customers could just have a strategic shift next year. Right. And either and, go either go away or they're so influential over over you and and your pricing that they could they could say we're going to go away unless you you know, cut your pricing by a certain amount. And then again, as you said, that the, all of that impacts the potential gross profit, the profitability of the company, and very, very quickly. So there's yeah. too much influence of a small number of, of folks that you don't have control over that right. are influencing your business. And in that example, because of that, I was working with the buyer, we offered a price that was that corresponded to the very high risk that right. we perceived. Right. The seller did not like the price. Uh, they, they were hoping for a much higher price, right? right? So the transaction didn't happen. Last I checked in on them, it was about a year and a half after that, they still had not sold their business. Right. The owner was a year and a half older, a year and a half further into what he had planned to be his retirement. Right. He still hadn't sold the business. So that's just, I didn't want to interrupt too long, but I, yeah. I thought it was important just to give an example of like, that's the kind of risks we're talking about, right? Right. Risks that maybe make buyers think cash won't continue or could stop. Right. And that, and that higher risk, which then gets back to the valuation and the expectation of the buyer. And certainly then there's a disconnect a lot of times. So often we see between what a buyer is willing to, to pay and, and what uh, a seller wants out of the transaction. And so there's a lot of ways to still potentially transact, but you know, we say there's a lot of compromise that has to take place there. You know, the buyer may say, no, I, I want a firm number or the seller. And he said, I want a firm number with this. And this is what my expectation is. The buyer may come back and say, well, I can't guarantee that to you, but tell you what, if that business comes to fruition the way you say that that it is, then over time we'll get you there. But right. it's, you earn out. You got to earn out, right? You know? and, and, and then and the seller says, "No, I don't want an earn out. I don't want any any what ifs. I want I want a firm number." But you know that's where the compromise comes in, and we see that time and time and time again because of the interplay of the things that we're talking about, the risk in the company. It's, it's funny that you say the compromise, right? And so often in, in reality, it, it can come to that. I was working, helping out someone with a transaction and I was so frustrated 
with the sellers because of some things <laughs> that were going on. And I called up their investment bank and expressed my frustration. And the, the investment banker told me, he said, David, the seller is also very frustrated with me. And he says, usually when the buyer and seller are equally frustrated with me, it's like, that's when I think the deal's about to close. <laughs> Because it's so true. Often the task is the buyer and seller have a different view of what this thing is worth. And a good investment banker, M&A advisor, how they create a lot of their value is trying to close that gap. Right. Right. Helping people understand where, not always meeting in the middle, but how can we perceive things that we didn't before and understand, is this a gap that can be closed? If so, let's close it. If not, let's move on. Let's find the next buyer or seller. Right. So I just, sorry, that popped into my head. I thought of that as a. <laughs> no, no. It, again, there's it, another example of, of what goes on traditionally uh, in from a valuation perspective and the mindset of the buyers and the, and the sellers. And, and so, again, to get us back to, you know, the, the fundamentals, if you will, is it's still about what is the cash flow in the, in the business? What is the expected growth rate in the business? And what is the, the, the risk or the yeah. discount rate that needs to be applied or should be applied? And, and we know we're going to, you know, all of those things, the cash flows are the cash flows. But the growth rate is an expectation mm-hmm. that there's room for disagreement, if you will, or qualification. Mm-hmm. The discount rate is, is a lot of room for qualification there. Mm-hmm. And I think the main thing for us is, A, understand you know, the dynamics of the interplay of the calculation of the pure mathematics of, of evaluation. And then let's focus on the things that as business owners that we could have control over. That's right. That's the main thing. Because there's other things that are going to come into play in a transaction. There's there's market factors. There's things of that nature, which we really don't have any control over right. at all, or, or it's very limited control that we have. Mm-hmm. And so those things are going to happen, and they do happen as you're looking to transact, but you can't really control those things. But there are things that you mm-hmm. can't control, and those are the things that we really need to focus Absolutely. on. This business and, and I think those things can often be so influential, they can trump sometimes even the market factors. Absolutely. Depending on... Absolutely. You can set yourself apart very much by what's the cash flows in the business and what's the growth rate versus your peers and what you have done to de-risk your company compared to your peers. Mm -hmm. All of those things could have exponentially greater impact on your valuation of your company than your peers, no matter what's happening in the marketplace. Absolutely. And just a couple of examples of what we're talking about when we say what's happening in the marketplace. So Eric, you're talking about intrinsic value and then intrinsic value is a part of maybe market value, but there are other things besides intrinsic value that might lead to where a transaction actually ends up. Right. And a lot of people, like a couple of examples are there are a lot of businesses where their value of their business is very tied to the price of oil. Others tied to the price of real estate or which way the real estate market is moving. Right. And so they may say, well, hey, when oil goes up, everything's good. My business <laughs> is worth a lot. When it goes down, it's not. Right. And, and there is definitely some truth to that. None of us can control the price of oil. But what we can do is we can say, no matter where that price of oil is, like you're talking about, 
that intrinsic value we can control in a very large way. And there are components of it that we can control. And we can control it so that no matter where the exogenous variables are in the market, we can still be priced at a premium to our peers. Right, right. Well, and in, in that example, actually, there's a market factor that you don't really have any, any control over. But that is <clears throat> impacting a buyer's evaluation of those future cash flows of your company, whether it be the growth rate or whether it be the actual cash flows. That's a market factor that is impacting that. So it's still getting back into that intrinsic value mm-hmm. calculation, so to speak, that's being applied. But it's something that is really market driven and it's not mm-hmm. driven by you as a business owner and mm-hmm. you know what you can control. But there are other things, let's say as an example, you know, who is the buyer? You know, is the buyer a public company? When the buyer is a public company, there's this thing we call arbitrage. But the, what is the currency that that public company has available to itself in order to transact with that that seller? It's different, and there's some advantages that a public company might have, both in size and access to capital and things of that nature, that actually can can help with what they're willing to, to offer to a private company versus mm-hmm. another private company right. that may not have access to mm-hmm. that same mm-hmm. uh, capital right. and arbitrage. So those are all factors that we could say would be market factors mm-hmm. or factors of the particulars of that transaction mm-hmm. that we really can't control. Right, right. But we can make our business more compelling as far as future growth, as far as how scalable our business is, that could make it more attractive. To more, to, more, to attractive, more attractive and with less risk in, in the company, which makes it more attractive, but it also impacts the way that the calculations work. Absolutely. And we should probably frame this a bit in terms of conversations people typically have. I hear business owners often, like we joked in the last episode about people say, I'll pay five times for your business. Right. <laughs> well, well, first, let's just clarify five times what? There's EBITDA. For anyone not familiar with that, that's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. You can take your net income and add back. So you're increasing your number. You're adding to that interest taxes. That's income tax, income not tax. all taxes, income tax depreciation and amortization. Any tax or value growth advisor can help you calculate that number. It's not that difficult. You just need to know what to do. That's usually what people talk about. Right. You may hear them say EBITDA, EBITDA. It's, that's, it's the same thing, E-B-I-T-D-A. So the, where this five multiple comes from, I have no idea. It, it, it does turn out a lot of average companies happen to be priced around five times EBITDA. But so, but usually when you hear someone say a multiple, that's what they're saying. What Eric and I are talking about right now, though, actually, let me step back a second. You can go look at places that will tell you, give you ideas at what multiple your business might transact. Yeah, for your industry, for your, your size. size. Yeah, things well, like that. One of the ones I like to use that's publicly available and free, the Pepperdine Private Pepperdine, Capital yeah. Markets Survey comes out every year. They will show you a table which shows different industries and different sizes 
And for the last year, where private businesses transacted, what, multi, what multiple they transacted. It's pretty good. It's not real granular. They've only got about seven or eight different industries. So there's not like 30 industries to pick from. So you kind of have to see where you fit, but it gives you a guide. What we want to highlight there is that's probably really good data. But that number that you're seeing is the median of all the transactions that happen. Right. When you see a five, that means that somebody transacted at a three and somebody else transacted at a seven. And the median was five. Right. Right. Hopefully, the things we're talking about in this podcast are, are to help you be the seven, not the three. <laughs> right. Hopefully your goal is not to be the median of all your peers. Right. Well, the things we're talking about here, folks, are the things to help your business transact at the top end of that range. And we see it all the time. We see businesses, we scratch our heads when we see transactions happen. Like, oh my goodness, this person got this outrageous multiple. How'd this happen? All these other people are getting threes and fours. This person got a 10. Right. Must be something going on. That something going on is all the things Eric's talking about is cash flows, growth of cash flows, lowering that company specific risk. And for that particular company or that seller, what were the circumstances of, of the market and the buyer? Those are things that we don't have a whole lot of control over. Mm-hmm. But the things mm-hmm. that that seller has control over, mm-hmm. you want to be working on those things to maximize that value, regardless of the timing of the transaction or the market Absolutely. circumstances that it could exist. Absolutely. And so just let's let's start to close, wrap this one up. We, we, we're, I feel like we're peeling back the onion a little bit more. We gave at least one concrete example, right? The, the company that had only three customers, right? So that's a little spoiler alert or customer concentration can be a big part of this, right? You could have two companies with the exact same financial statements and one will sell for way more than the other. Customer concentration is an example of that. Right. We're going to give plenty more examples coming up. Just want to clarify one more thing because I think this is so important. I hear it so often when people are talking about buying and selling companies. They say, this company is worth a five times multiple. This company is worth a four times multiple. I'll pay a five. I won't pay, I won't pay a six, but I'll pay a five for your business. Like almost as if the value is the multiple. It isn't. No. The value is... And I'm sorry, but I may use this, let's just use a slightly technical finance term. It's, it's, the value is the present value of all future cash flows right. a business will deliver. It's all, it's all That's it. time value of money. Right. And we could do a whole semester on that. But the idea is all the things Eric talked about pretty much captures what I just said, that, that sentence I just said. Right. That's where the value is. The EBITDA multiple is we can measure the end transaction, certainly in terms of Enterprise value, which is the total value of all the business, over the EBITDA, right? And so we can use that as a measure to help us compare how different transactions were. So it's not a bad measure. It's a good measure. You can't eat EBITDA multiples, though. No. You can't feed your family with an EBITDA multiple. No. You can feed your family with cash. And the things we're talking about are the things that are going to help you increase the cash return on investment if you're a buyer or increase the cash return to you as the seller for the, the price that you'll, that someone might pay for your business. Yeah. And just as you said, that present value of the cash flows in the business, future cash flows of the business, that is inherent to, to how you go about calculating intrinsic value of the mm-hmm. company. And I will emphasize 
interest rates or, or rates being applied to the discount of those cash flows works either for you or works against you. Mm-hmm. If you are a borrower, you know that when that interest rate is 3%, versus 6%, that has a huge impact on the amount of your payment, your monthly yeah. payment on, on debt. So mm-hmm. interest rates or discount rates are working either for you or against you. And what we are going to be talking about, you know, as we come up in these next sessions, is about the discount rate that's being applied in, your, in the valuation of your company. And what do you control or what what ability do you have to control that to get that discount rate as low as possible when and if you ever go into a transaction? Absolutely. Because that interest rate or that discount rate is either going to be working for you or working against you. And the the more things that we do to lower that, the more it's working for you. Absolutely. And folks, so we gave you one driver today. I know we told you we'd give you more of them in this episode. We got we got a little carried away. As you can see, we love talking about this. But I think hopefully what we've talked about has been incredibly valuable. So join us next time as we go into the next drivers. 